Good to be with you guys again. So just maybe start with this. There was a great theologian sometime in the middle century. He said this thing, faith seeking understanding. And the wonderful thing about salvation is this, is this, that we receive our salvation by faith. Our heart of stone gets taken out of our chest. We get given a heart of flesh. But we kind of like don't know what happened to us. I remember my salvation experience that I had 27 years ago on a mountain in Cirrus. I got changed in an inkling when I said to the Lord, all right, I give up your way, not my way. And I got saved. How's it, Gavin? Sorry. Nice to see you. <laughs> and uh, it is, this thing is that you might be sitting here and you might be going like, some of you are new Christians. How many of you have got saved within the last year? Recommitted your life. To, so how many of you have been saved five years? Oh. Okay, everyone just quickly do this. Just reach. Well, well done. Well, it's still working. Good, good. All right, I'm going to re-ask those questions. How many of you got saved in the last year? There's a few of us. How many of you have got saved in the last five years? How many of you are, are you dinosaur Christians? Bro? You've been around since Peter, John, and, and then the rest of you, where, what, like you're not saved? Well, then you're in the right place. My point is, is that we come into this thing of Christianity by the power of the Spirit, through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, aligning with the will of God. But we don't always know what happens to us. And that's why we need to do foundation, so that we can understand how do we now walk this walk with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, uh, with the atoning blood of Jesus, into the plan of God. Because if you don't know those things, you don't know what you should think about yourself in terms of your identity as a Christian. You don't know what God thinks of you. You don't know what the pitfalls are that you might fall into as you walk this walk of precarious Christianity because it's not a walk in the park, that's for sure. And that's what Foundations is about. I want to take us right from the beginning, and I want to start with what is salvation. And then I want to take us through to what are the practices, that are, the fruitful practices that Christians should do, and then end it in how do I now live my life within a community of faith so that I can be an alive Christian. And that's basically the, the quick overall of what we're going to be doing. And so as we're going to speak about, and I'm not going to rush this. Right, I'm just, I said to Lucas just now, we're going to go as the Spirit leads. So even though we're teaching this, we're not going to rush this. If we feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to do sin today, then we just do sin. If we feel He wants to stop at the blood of Jesus, then we're going to stop at the blood of Jesus. But we're going to go with where he wants to go, and I'll come back and come back until we've worked this through. This time also is not about information, because knowledge will puff you up, but love will build you up. It's about information and understanding, and then the application of the understanding that you get. And so I want to urge you that this morning as we speak, don't take notes. Listen to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and respond to Him so that you can grow. We can always get you the notes. I'll give the notes to Lucas, and then Lucas can distribute the notes. And so let's not focus on the knowledge, but let's focus on what the Spirit of God is doing in this time. Is that all right? Great. So we're going to start with salvation. Hi, Rick. Good to see you again. You were here about six months ago, eh? Yeah. Two years. Has it been two years? It's incredible. Anyway, it's good to see you again. So we're going to talk about salvation. Salvation has got four concepts. And I'm going to use a memory device to just help make it easier for us 
to talk about the concept of salvation. And I'm going to talk about a watermelon. Now, who of you know what are the colors of a watermelon? For a cappuccino. Who knows the colors of a watermelon? Oh, those that shout out get nothing. Lucas. Behind Lucas there. What are the colors of a watermelon? Green and red and? And white and black. I'm not sure if you're allowed a cappuccino, but you can probably swap it for a milkshake. So, so what does black stand for? Sin. What does red stand for? The blood of Jesus. What does white stand for? Oh, and I'm a little bit confused now. Those, two first, those first two were easy. White stands for the imputed authority of Jesus Christ into our lives that we can take up to live a godly Christian life. And what does green stand for? The fruitful practices that we must do as Christians in order to have a fruitful Christian life in the Lord. And so let's start with black. And when we talk about sin, often our minds kind of like just, you know, we get stuck. Because if you like me and you grew up in South Africa and you grew up in church, you kind of like think of sin as just like breaking rules. You know, you've got the big ten. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Uh, love your neighbors yourself. Don't have any idols before the Lord. Uh, keep the Sabbath. Uh, don't murder, don't steal, don't kill, don't bear false witness. Uh, what are the other ones? Adult, don't commit adultery. Don't blaspheme. Don't, yes, like Nick knows them all, though. Eh? I didn't hear that, but anyway. He's broken them all. That's why he knows them so well. Can we just all reach out our hands towards Nick? <laughs> Actually, no, no. Let's reach out our hands towards Belinda. <laughs> and, and that's true. Sin has got this concept of breaking rules and the consequences of sin. But sin is so much more than that. And we find that in the Greek and the Hebrew, actually, the, the word sin is translated with four different words. Now, I'm just going to mention them, and then we'll focus a little bit on the Greek because it just... It's, um, in Greek, it's amartia, paraptoma, parabasis, and asabiasis. And I can mention the Hebrew, but it doesn't really matter. But this first concept of sin, and it's actually the, the word that's mostly used, mostly translated as sin, is amartia. And, and the, the word picture that we get there is of someone shooting towards a mark and then missing the goal, that, what they're shooting towards. How many of you shoot? A few of you. How many of you have seen like a bullseye? You know what it looks like. How many of you play darts? Like I play darts with Sarah and then she doesn't hit the bullseye. She doesn't hit the board. She hits the wall. <laughs> and then, of course, the dart comes back. A really dangerous sport, that. <laughs> and so the first concept of sin is this, is that we've all missed the mark. But the problem is this, is that we didn't even know the mark that we should hit. Because in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, it says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So who knows what you should be? what you can be, what your call is, why you were made, 
why you were put on this earth. Who knows that? God knows that. Do you know that? Well, you know, Ines and Mariska are busy having their baby right now, this morning. That little girl, Lisa, eh? she's not going to come out with a note on her arm saying, I want Lisa to be. No. And so what a lot of us struggle with is, especially when we're in the world, is, is we've got this lack of meaning and identity because we don't know why we are, what we are, who we are, or sometimes even when we are. And so the first point is, is that Jesus says, all of us miss this because we don't know the plan that God the Father had for you before you were born, before you were sent. God knew you intimately, and he made you. He gave you the talents and the personality and the physique and the body so that you could do that, those things that he has called you to do, those good works that he laid out for you before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 2, that he wants you to walk in them. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for those good works. And we are living in a, in a, in a time in, the, in a world where we have a pandemic. What a lovely word that, eh? Heard that before. A pandemic of hopelessness and despair and depression. And the answer to that is Jesus Christ. Because only God knows. It's God's glory to hide a matter. It's a king's glory to seek it out. And so maybe you even this morning, you're sitting here as a Christian and you don't know why you're here. You need to know that Jesus came to die for that level of sin. So that as you seek him, as you walk with him, he is going to take you into the purposes of God for your life, but only if you walk with him. You see, and this changes the way that we live, and it changes the way that we view the unsaved. You know, we're not moral police. If someone blasphemes next to you and they're not a Christian, their only sin is that they don't, they don't know God. Why am I pausing? <laughs> and so that's the first level of sin, is that all of us have missed the mark. None of us know why we're here. And that's part of our purpose as Christians, is to bring people into the church. It's part of our purpose to find our purpose and our destiny. And that's why church is so important, because it's so hard to find it on your own. The other thing is, is that none of you, not even one of you here, you're not an accident. You're not here by chance. You're not here because of an evolutionary explosion that blew things apart and didn't bring you, bring you together. No, you're here because you have an identity, a destiny, a plan, and a purpose. And you have meaning in your life. You're not an accident. Do you guys know what a lot lamiki is? It's someone that's born late. And a karafan baba is, is, you know, when your, your parents have already got three kids and they go on holiday and they have a glipsy. And then, poop, there pops out Kusi. He's like 20 years younger than his closest brother. By the time he reaches matric, he's there's like 68. Even Kusi is not here by accident. In the kingdom of God, there are no karafan babas. I want you to say this with me. I. Oh, yeah, all five of you. Thank you, Krieger. 
kan ek vijf push-ups afkry. I, I am not, not an, accident. an accident. I, I have, have purpose and meaning in God. Amen. Amen. I just want to say to you guys that as I was worshiping here, like, like that second song, I just I teared up and I just felt God say, God loves you. God loves each and every one of you. That God sent his son Jesus Christ because he loved you. There was no other motivation in his heart. He loved you and he wanted to save you and he wanted to heal you and he wanted to bless you and he wanted to bring you into his kingdom. And there's someone here today, you feel like you're not loved. You feel like there's no one that cares about you. You feel alone, you feel isolated. And God says, I love you. I love you. I love you enough to send my son to die for you. Second level of sin is this paraptoma. Is this, and the idea here is that we're walking on a, on a road, but sometimes we stumble off the road. And not every sin has got a rule against it. And sometimes we'll, we'll do sins that there's no rule against, but it's still sin because it still bears the fruit or the consequences of sin. And so you have sins of omission and you have sins of commission. So let me just explain this. Sins of omission is something that I should have done that I didn't do. Sins of commission is something that I did that I shouldn't have done that has hurt someone or has had a bad consequence. So here's an example. A sin of omission would be uh, Jonah being called to Nineveh and deciding not to go. You know, everyone, the sailors that Jonah was on the boat with, did they know that Jonah was running away from God? No. And now sometimes we will choose to run away from the purpose, the plan, and the destiny, and the call of God, and that's a sin of omission. No one else knows about it. It doesn't really affect people. Well, maybe the people that are on the boat with you. But I want to say to you, if you run away from the purpose and the call of God for your life, you're going to end up in a storm in your life. People are going to throw you overboard. You're going to end up alone in the sea, and then a whale is going to swallow you, and it's going to feel like you're depressed. And God in His mercy will spit you out, but align your will with God's will. Otherwise, you will get back into the belly of the whale. That's the point of that story. But omission is also this, is that as a father, I'm called to provide uh, finances, to provide protection, to provide identity to my children. But am I a perfect father? No. As a leader, I'm supposed to lead you and care for you and steward you and walk ahead of you an example and come behind you and encourage you and lift you up and give you vision. But am I a perfect leader? Have I disappointed people? Yes, have you disappointed people? And so none of us are perfect. And, and, and the thing is here is that I might not, because I'm not doing what I should be doing, it has negative consequences on my children. And it has negative consequences on my life. But that's also sin. So we've stumbled from the path. So not every sin... And so maybe you're sitting here today and your father was absent or your father was authoritarian and you know what scars that left on your heart. And Jesus has come to die for those two. And then sometimes there's acts of commission that there's no rules against. Like the Bible says we will be judged for every idle word we speak. And so uh, what's a good example? This week I was in an elders meeting. And uh, we were just, you know, in our eldest meetings, we banter and we talk about stuff. And, you know, Anton, we were at his house. It was 7 o'clock. It was his birthday the night before. And he had some apple pie and ice cream there for breakfast. And uh, we were just sitting there talking about some stuff and having some fun and stuff. And uh, I, uh, 
in a moment, like w w the meeting had already gone on a little bit, and uh, I said something like, I said, Anton, you're you over there, you're comfort eating. And as I said it, I saw something in his heart just went backwards. He just pulled back from me. And I thought, I wonder what that was. You see, I sinned in that moment. You know, I was a fat baby. Really, maybe if you guys are good, then I'll show you a picture on Wednesday night. I look like the Michelin baby. You know, if they put me down, I wouldn't fall over because I had support. <laughs> and I had like little things on my arms. And so growing up, I got mocked. Mocked's the right word, eh? Geterg. And so I developed a bit of a complex about my weight. And to this day, if people comment about my weight, it hurts me. You see, it's not your problem, but I have a wound. And those things are still sin, because what it does is it brings shadows. And it pulls us away from one another. And God has called us to live in close fellowship with one another. And so even those things, those paraptoma sins, that hasn't got a law or a rule against it. Because when you comment on my weight, you're not maliciously attacking me. You're just maybe saying something in jest. And it hurts us. And the next time you come into the room, I'm like, I don't really want to be with that person. And then maybe it goes a little bit further, and I say, you, you know, like, Lucas, you're not really a good leader, you know, if I allow that thing to grow in my heart. And then I start, and, and, and you know how it goes. And it had a very innocent, idle word that knocked that whole thing on. And so that's the second level of sin, is, is that we hurt one another, and sin causes brokenness and division in the body of Christ. And we should watch what we say. Because this thing can set a whole forest alight. It's taken 20 years to build this church. You can burn it down with a sentence. An idle word. You know what an idling car is? It's a car that's running but just standing there. Not really doing anything. That's what an idle word does. Is it just idles in your mind. And you think about it and you think about it and it grows and the emotions come. And then our heart gets full of what we're thinking about and what we're feeling. And then we start speaking out of that place because what the heart is full of, the mouth overflows. And so Jesus has come for that. Because he wants us in true unity and fellowship with one another. And then the third level of sin is this, is that there are rules. And we parabasis them. We transgress. We don't just trespass, but we transgress. We know what the rules are. We know what we should do because our consciences tell us what we should do. And maybe we even know with our minds what the Bible tells us. But the enticement and the niceness of sin and the, and the drawing of the flesh draws us over the line. And we end up breaking God's rules. And we know we're breaking them. We know we shouldn't live with our girlfriend. We know we shouldn't sleep with each other before marriage. We know we shouldn't steal. We know we shouldn't gossip. But yet still sometimes we can't help ourselves and we do these things. And you know what that does to us? Is now we've broken a rule. And when you break a rule, how do you feel? Like those of you that have broken, well, none of you have broken rules, of course. You know, I went surfing like right at the end of the lockdown. And it kind of like wasn't clear like whether you could surf or not. Because, you know, COVID comes in waves and that's why we couldn't surf. 
And so I, I, I called the station commander, and I said, listen, yeah, I mean, I'd really like surfing. You can see by my tan. I, I ended up walking for exercise. It was torture. You should have seen my poor dog. She got, like, all thin and fit. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, where was I? Oh, yeah. So by about June, July, Oak started surfing. I, I kept out to, like, September, October. I found the station commander. I said, like, listen, yeah, how do you interpret, how do you guys interpret this rule? Can we surf or not? She said, ach, man, go surf. So then I started surfing. But even then, you know, I'm getting dressed as quickly as I can. The cop, they're at the point, the cops just drive past all the time. I think they just like the view. So the cop would drive past, and I would, like, want to hide from the guy. My, my oversensitive conscience. But when we break rules, we, we do what Adam and Eve did. We realize that we're naked. We become ashamed. We hide ourselves. We try and cover our sin with fig leaves. And when God comes, we don't answer. You see, because when we break a rule, there's an anger and a wrath that comes with that. There's a consequence when we break the rule. And that causes us to hide. It causes us to isolate. And Jesus came to deal with that. He came to deal with the wrath and the anger of God, but he also came to deal with your guilt and your shame. Now, what's the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt is as I did something wrong. Shame is as I am wrong. You know, if I did something wrong, I can repent from it and I can come out of my dip. But if I am wrong, then I am the problem. And then I struggle with condemnation because now the only way to deal with me is to get rid of me. And so which brings us to this fourth level of sin is, is that if we continually carry on in cycles of sin, what happens to us is the Bible says, it's this word avon in the Hebrew and it's this word iniquity or ungodliness in, in, in the Hebrew, which is it's like I get twisted out of the image of God. And God in Genesis 1.26 said that we are made in His image. What does that mean? We walk upright? Does it mean we can speak? Does it mean we can think? No, I mean, I think it means this. As God says, I've made you in my image. Now take dominion over all that I've created, that I've pronounced as good and I've blessed and there's fruitfulness, multiplication and rest. I want you to steward this on my behalf. I want you to take dominion. And dominion has become a very ugly word. It should be a beautiful word because the word dominion means to reflect the glory of God into the creation. So I am now as a vessel of the Lord here to reflect His glory into this world and to bring order out of chaos like what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit hovered over the water. God spoke and He brought order out of chaos. I'm here to bring order where there's chaos in my life, in my family's life, in the people that I'm shepherding. That's what it means to take dominion. Some of us have order, disorder in our families, in our finances, in our relations, and that's what we do as God's family, is we're here to do what God did for us. And we're there to recognize what is good. And when God said it was good, every time you see in Genesis, he sees it's good, and then he pronounces a blessing. And whenever he pronounces a blessing, there's fruitfulness, multiplication, and rest that flows from it. The opposite of a blessing is, is unfruitfulness, division, and lack, and no peace. And as image bearers of the living God, God calls us to do this into our world. 
But unfortunately, sin, when it becomes deeply seated in us, you know, you've got sin. You, you, you make a mistake in a moment. A moment doesn't make a man. But your habits will define you. And in Numbers 14, it says that the iniquities, the deeply rooted, twisted sin that is in us will get passed to the third and the fourth generations of those that hate me. But my blessings to the thousands of generations of those that love me. And so if we look at our family trees, you look over your shoulder at your mom, your grandfather, and your great-grandfather, father, father. And you look on the other side, you see fear, anxiety, depression, alcoholism, addictions, gambling, divorce, murder. And those things predispose you because it's come down your family line. It's not that you will sin those things, but it is that you are predisposed. And so if your father's an alcoholic, stay away from alcohol. Because you predispose. You're walking with a limp already. Sorry, I'm not angry. I'm just excited. Are you angry? I'm angry at the devil. That's good. And so God's come to die for the iniquity. You know, sometimes we also we get involved with things that we shouldn't get involved with. Must I say that in English? I don't know how to say that in English. The lady with a caravan with a crystal ball. Am I going to marry a handsome man with a dark hair and a white horse? Because this world is not just physical, but it's also spiritual. And there are practices that you can get involved with that the Bible calls divination and occultic practices. And they've become very mainstream within our current society. And we'll talk about those. Because when you walk on the devil's territory, the devil has a claim on you. And when you walk there, you, the devil might bless you on the one hand but he will curse you on the other. And so we'll, some of the sessions we'll talk about, how do we discern as a Christian what is right and wrong, what is good and evil? Because God calls us to repent, but deeper than repentance, he calls us to renounce. And to renounce means to stop the flow of something in my life. Sometimes there's things flowing in our lives that we need to repent of, change our minds, but also renounce, leave behind, stop the flow of it. Because God wants to flow through us. You see, if God the Father is living on the, the Lordship seat of my heart, and I behold Him, what flows from my life? His image, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and love. If I put something else on that seat, what flows from me? Well, that idol will flow from you. And so this thing of iniquity is, 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 is rooted with the Lord. See, God has come to be your Savior, but He's also come to be your Lord. You see, there's this dual response. He's done everything for us. Jesus did everything for us. But He also wants us to choose, just like He has chosen. Are you guys with me? Now, that's sin. So th was that some bad news? It's good, but it's bad. Because sin is bad. How do I recognize if I've got sin in my life? 
Well, all of us have sinned. Like, so Lucas's answer was, I'm breathing. So 1 John 1 verse 9 says that if you say that you have no sin, then the truth isn't in you, you're a liar. So none of us are perfect. So Jesus comes, he saves us, he puts us in Christ, in relationship. As long as we remain in relationship, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit going on the plan of God, we remain in Christ. But then God will start working on certain areas in your life as you go along. We've got to keep in step with that. So yes, in a certain sense, we, but sometimes there's these like sin areas that we, we, we go around the mountain. Like there's a curse on my life. And Samson for me is, is, is such a great picture of a of what a person stuck in sin, how I can identify if I've got an area that I'm stuck in in my life. So who of you know the story of Samson? Samson is the strong guy from Israel. I don't know from which tribe now. Uh, before he gets born, I think an angel appears to his parents, says to him, listen, I'm going to give you this child. You must never drink strong drink. There's a couple of things he shouldn't do. What shouldn't Samson do for a cappuccino? Well, now you have to, now, now, you've already got one. <laughs> all right. I'm listening. We're all listening. He shouldn't cut his hair. Then he'll lose his strength. Okay, that's only one. Do you know the others? Because there's four. But we'll be full of grace and mercy this morning, and I'll still give you one. <laughs> now I've only got one left. Who of you know what he shouldn't do? Oh. That's right. He shouldn't drink alcohol. He shouldn't cut his hair. He shouldn't eat things from dead animals. And then the last one is he shouldn't marry outside of the tribe of Israel. And it was done for, that's good enough. Thank you. And that was to be a sign of holiness, of consecration, of dedication to the Lord. Because in, in that, his culture, that, those things were happening, and so people cut their hair while he didn't cut his hair. So every time Samson went past, they oh, there's the guy. He's assigned to us. But then Samson, one day, he's walking around, and he sees this beautiful lady. Her name is Delilah. And he goes to his parents and says, that girl, there's no girls like her in Israel. I want that one. And so what sin will do is sin will catch your eye. And then it'll start. And then eventually all you can see is Delilah. And then he goes to his parents and says, can I marry you? And at that point his parents should have said no, but no, they didn't. So they said yes, and so they organized a betrothal, betrothal party. And on the way to this party in Philistia, somewhere with the Philistines, I don't know if it is that, he... Um, you, next to the road, there's this lion. It's a carcass, a lion carcass. And there's bees that have made a nest in the carcass. And there's honey. And so Samson likes honey. Who likes honey? It's sweet. It's great. And so Samson reaches into the dead animal and breaks the second rule. You see, sin is sweet for the moment, but it'll kill you. Sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. You see, we don't use drugs and drink alcohol and sleep around because it's bad in the moment. It's great. It feels good. It satisfies, satisfies something in us, our flesh. But in the long run, it will bring you death. So sin is enticing. It will catch your eye, and it will draw you in, and it will bring you death. 
And then Samson goes through the whole thing, blah, 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 blah. Gets married to her. And then there's a whole history. And the one day Delilah finds out his secret. No, my strength is in my hair. And so they cut his hair and he loses his strength. The Philistines come, they take him captive. Sin will take you captive. Eventually, it'll get you. You can't escape it. You think you might get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. It's going to catch you. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat in your business. Those sins that you think are hidden, God sees all. And God is faithful to us to bring everything into the light. Because as we live in the light as He is in the light, we have true fellowship with one another. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like you can't quite connect with people around you. I want to ask you, how's your holiness? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to walk with you and to work these things out in you? Because if you bring things into the light, you'll have true fellowship. If you keep them hidden in the dark, you'll be alone and isolated. And so the Philistines keep, take him captive. They gouge out his eyes. They tie him to a millstone which, and make him grind the, the meal, the wheat. The grain. A millstone is a heavy stone on top of another stone where they would pour the wheat in the top and then the donkeys would pull around this millstone on top of the other one and the friction will then grind the wheat into flour which they could then use to bake stuff with. And so this is what sin will do to you. It'll make you blind. It'll make you weak. It'll tie you to a heavy load. You will go around the mountain and you will end up doing the work of a donkey. So maybe this morning, ask yourself, are there areas in my life where I'm just going around the mountain? I feel like I don't have friends, and then I make some friends, and then I lose friends. I feel like I don't get financial breakthrough. I feel like I don't get relational breakthrough. I feel like I don't get spiritual breakthrough. Then before the Lord, because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin, John 16, sin and righteousness and judgment, we need to this morning open our hearts before him and ask the question, Lord, is there anything in me that you need to convict me of? Because the good news is, is that Jesus Christ came for our redemption. And that word there, redemption, is the scripture out of Ephesians, I'm not sure where, 2.16, I think. It says that Jesus' blood was shed for our redemption. Is, can you guys find that, or have I skipped so far that you... And redemption is this, is that a person would get redeemed if they were in a slave market. And when you're a slave, you've got no rights. You don't have control over anything that you do. Your master is your master, and you're just there. And Jesus' blood came and paid for us to bring us out of the slave market. And God brought us, translated us, Ephesians, into his household. And he's made us sons and daughters in his household. And that's what the blood of Jesus has come to do for us. So now just hold that thought because I just want to have a quick conversation with Lucas. All right. Lucas, do we carry on or do we stop here? We carry on. Yeah. You see, there's power in the blood of Jesus. So much power. And Jesus' blood does four things for us. The atonement does, there's ten atonement theories, but there's four clear pictures that we see in the Bible. 
But I feel like the Holy Spirit, like Lucas said, is he's, he's, maybe he's made you aware of some stuff as I've spoken this morning. And you, you're wondering. And I, actually, I want to just maybe pause it here. Can we have the, the worship team come out? And I want to create a, a moment now where you can come before your God. Can I ask you all just close eyes? Jesus, I thank you that you came to die for our sins, our iniquities, our trespasses, and our transgressions. I thank you that you love us so much that you were not willing to leave any of us in the slave market, but that you've come to redeem us and to bring us into your kingdom so that we can live in the blessing of fruitfulness and multiplication and rest. You do not want us to live in cursing of division and lack. And this morning as I've spoken, Lord, I trust that you've touched some hearts. And I trust that you, you want to bring some freedoms to us this morning. And if you've come into this place this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. Because maybe like me, you thought that living a good life or going to church was enough. You know, I'd, I'd never murdered someone, and I'd never perjured in a court, and I thought I was all right. But there was a moment when the Holy Spirit came upon my heart, and He convinced me that actually I wasn't hitting the mark that God had for my life. I was in despair and hopeless because I felt like, what's the point? I was jaded. I've done all the good things in the world that offered, and it was empty. And God came to me on a mountain and said to me, Monet, follow me. And my sinner's prayer was this, I give up God. I'm not going to do it my way any longer, I'm going to do it your way. And in a moment, God came into my heart and he made me alive. You see, he reconnected me with the Father, like Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day with the Lord before they sinned. You see, God said to Eve, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. But they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I mean, you might have been a good Christian and have done many good things. But if you've never, in a moment of faith, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart, being cut in your heart, responded to that call, then you're not alive then you're not a spiritual being yet. And this morning, God wants to put you on the network. He wants to put a godly sim card in your heart. And He wants to start speaking to you and leading you and guiding you. And He wants to empower you. And He wants to love you. And if that's you this morning, I want you to, to make what is invisibly happening in your heart. You see, the Holy Spirit is convincing you. It's an invisible thing that's happening in your heart right now. I want you to make the invisible visible. And the Bible calls that faith and obedience. And in that moment, if you act in faith and obedience, there will be grace and power to save you. You see, that power is not going to be there in 20 minutes' time. It might not be there in... I mean, God might give you another chance. But it's that thing of instant obedience to the Lord. And he's doing something in your heart right now. And if that's you, I want you to do a bold thing. I want you to raise your hand. 
Because Jesus says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father. Is there anyone that wants to give their heart to Jesus this morning? Thank you, I saw that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you, there's another lady that's responded. This is the biggest miracle of the church. That God raises dead people to life. Are you responding, young sir? Did you raise your hand? Anyone else? Those people that responded, can I ask you to do a brave thing? Just look at me. Would you guys come to the front? Just walk out to the front. I know. And if you've got friends with you, just come, like, walk with them. I know there was someone else that responded. Just respond. Come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. Then there's a second group of people here this morning, maybe, and this is like you've walked with the Lord, but you've, you've drifted so far away that His voice has become so distant that you want to actually come back this morning. You've backslidden. And God wants to bring you back into His kingdom this morning. And if that's you and the Holy Spirit is calling you, He's convincing because after I gave my heart to the Lord, I backslid very well for three years. Make sure that when I did it, I did it proper because I knew where I was going. And God came to me and said, well, no, stop. If you, die, if you don't come back now, you're going to die. And I turned and I said, yes, Lord, I'll come back. And so if that's you, if you've walked away from the Lord, you've been drawn away by fear or by drugs or relationships, or, and you've just let go of your relationship with the Lord, but you want to come back this morning, you've come into this place, you're not here by an accident, I want you to come to the front. Is there anyone here that wants to recommit to Jesus this morning? You want to get rid of the sin. You want to get rid of the iniquity. You want to get rid of the guilt and the shame. Only Jesus can do that for you. Anyone else? Well done, sir. Why don't you guys stand with me? let's all pray this prayer so Father God today I choose to realign my plans with your plans I give up my will and I'll seek your will Jesus Wash me clean. Take away my sin. Make me as white as snow. Holy Spirit, come and live in my heart and lead me. I want to follow. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, I would just pray for these two people now. And I just want to ask God that you would anoint them you've called them they've acknowledged your call this morning Jesus and I ask Father that you would baptize them with your spirit come Holy Spirit I pray Father that you would change their identity from a slave into a son from a slave into a daughter in the house I thank you Father that no matter the things that they've done and been involved with 
that you would come right now and that you'd break those things in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over this heart and over this heart. And we thank you, Father, that you break any curse, that you, you wash away their sin and you remove it as far as the east is from the west. And God, that you would replace the guilt and the condemnation right now with your freedom and your acceptance. And we thank you for that, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.